Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. And what I am doing is a special series on the doctrine of justification. Why is that? Well, this year is the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, and of course it was over the issue of justification that really split the church in the West into two pieces, which is now in thousands of pieces. So in any case, I've written a book recently entitled Grace and Justification, an Evangelical's Guide to Catholic Beliefs, and I tried to put forward in a fairly straightforward, understandable way exactly what Protestants believe regarding justification and what Catholics believe about justification. And one of the key things in this book, and I think the very heart of the book, revolves around a doctrine related to justification, and that's the doctrine of adoption. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And from a Catholic viewpoint, adoption is the crown of justification. Now, Protestants believe in adoption, but theologians, Protestant theologians, are very careful to separate it from the work of justification. They emphasize that God is the judge and that justification is kind of a not guilty verdict. And so the whole scene is, so to speak, a courtroom. Whereas in the Catholic understanding of justification, the very heart of it is adoption. It's not something separate. It's not something subsequent, but it's the very central part of justification. And here's just an easy way to remember this. Outside of the Gospels, there are two places where you find St. Paul talking about Abba, Father. The very earliest Christians had this exclamation, Abba, Father, uh, calling God Daddy or Father. And there are two places outside the Gospels where this is found, the epistle to the Galatians and the epistle to the Romans. And guess what? Galatians and Romans, the theme of both is justification. That's where you find Abba, Father. I like to read to you the brief section, section 1996 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and anyone interested in apologetics to evangelicals, this is Uh, at least the first sentence, something you need to memorize, something you need to be able to turn to. Although Protestants have maybe literally a hundred questions about the Catholic faith, the question of are we saved by grace is front and center. That's what led to the separation 500 years ago was the accusation that Catholics actually denied the grace of God in salvation. So, what does the Catechism of the Catholic Church say in section 1996? Our justification is by the grace of God. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, grace is favor, the free 
an undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call. Now, I'd like to speak to parents for a moment. There's a problem with good kids. <laughs> like, what's the problem with good kids? It's the problem with the kids that are driving me crazy. That's the problem. No, not, not always. Here is a very distinct problem, and this isn't a problem limited to Protestants or Catholics. It's a problem that really parents of both Protestant and Catholic backgrounds struggle with. If you have relatively good kids, there's not a perfect kid, but good kids, they might grow up thinking that God accepts them because they're a pretty good person. And it's a good thing that they're a good person, don't get me wrong, but at the very core of the Christian faith is this truth reflected in the catechism, which says grace is undeserved help. And there's a very subtle thing for people, and this applies to adults too, who are living a fairly good life. They think God loves me because I'm good. And don't get me wrong, God is very happy that you're living a good life. But if at the root of it, you're thinking that I deserve his love because of my goodness, whereas a catechism says, no, grace is something free. It's an overflowing goodness of God that goes to those who are undeserving. And that's why sometimes people who have lived a, a horrible life they're, they know they're not a good person, and when they run into the grace of God, it's like, whoa, they, they can't talk about anything else. Their lives are transformed, and they have this deep union with God. If I was a religious instructor, say like in a confirmation class, and let's say you know they threw you a big textbook and there's literally 100 things you're supposed to teach your kids, I would only want to teach them one one. You think, oh, come on. We can't just teach them one. No, if you teach them one, they'll have a hunger in their heart for the other 99 truths you want to get across. But if you miss this one, it will just be religious information you're conveying, and it really will not stick in the way of transforming a life. And if you would want that one thing that you would want to convey, it's the last phrase in section 1996 out of the catechism I just quoted to you, I didn't read it the second time. I'll go over it again. Our justification is by the grace of God. That means it's not due to us. Grace is favor, the free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call to become children of God. And you see, right in the same section where it speaks about our justification is by the grace of God, it describes that this gift of justification enables us to respond to God and become his children. That's the heart of Catholic justification. Now, I want you to know that being a child of God is not just a nice religious metaphor. It's not just a, a sweet, pious thought, nor is it a distant expectation. Here's the question 
that you would want to ask your confirmation class. One question, one question only. And you only want to get across one truth. The question would be, who are you? Really, who are you? What is your origin? What is your purpose here? What is your destiny? And, and almost the question underneath those fundamental questions of life is, who are you? You might be driving around right now like, well, that's a great question. You know, I'm 45 years old and I'm not quite sure who I am. You want to know your identity. If you're a Christian trusting in the grace of God. Your identity can be found in two verses from probably the simplest book of the Bible to understand, 1 John. And just two verses in chapter 3 read as follows. 1 John 3, 1. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. Now, that's not the whole verse that we should be called children of God, and so we are. It's not just a name, not just a title, not just a metaphor, not just a thought. This is a reality, and so we are. And the next verse, beloved, beloved by who? By the Father, your Father in heaven. Beloved, we are God's children now. That's who we are. And if a young person, a middle-aged person, an elderly person, a child can grasp this one, this truth, which is at the very heart of justification by grace, that we become God's children. You know, in the Council of Trent, when I was starting to write my book, Grace and Justification, I looked very carefully at the Council of Trent because it was the most um, detailed response to Martin Luther's proclamation of his version of justification. And it was very interesting. They had a very brief paragraph that summarized everything that Catholics believe about justification. And it was, it really actually threw me for a loop because I kept reading it and I didn't see what I had been taught about justification as a Protestant. When I was in seminary, justification was something to do with the courtroom and God's the judge, and, the, and it is a great blessing to be uh, called not guilty. But here's what Trent said, and it wasn't about courtroom stuff. It was about family room stuff. It was about God becoming our father. Listen to Trent's, you know, very brief definition of justification. They called it a translation from that state in which man is born a child of the first Adam, okay? There's a certain membership in the human race that's fallen since Genesis chapter 3. Born a child of the first Adam to the state of grace and of the adoption of the sons of God through the second Adam, Jesus Christ our Savior. You see, at the heart the very heart. If When Trent took all of these words that they had to say about justification and boiled them down to a sentence, it's from one uh, type of existence to a new existence, being a child of God. 
You know, several years ago, I was in California. I think it was maybe my second or third Catholic conference, and I was speaking with my seminary friend, Scott Hahn, and as usual, uh, Scott had been down at the used bookstores cleaning them out of all their used uh, good old Catholic theological books, and he found one that was quite valuable, and he gave it to me as a gift, he and Kimberly, and Scott said at the time, this is the best summary of what I've been able to find so far about the Catholic faith. Uh, I have a page summarizing what I would call the best of the best of that book, and I'm going to read you just a little portion of that page, which is the best of the best. So this is the best of the best of the best. It's from Father Coutage, and this is what he says. Our divine adoption is the central concept of Christianity, the truth to which all the others relate and toward which they all converge, the truth through which they become clear and around which they are synthesized. All other truths flow from it. Do you see why I would want to get this one thing across to a confirmation class? Because if this truth was conveyed to the heart and received by faith, I'm not talking about just you know, some abstract rumblings around, but they grasp it. That means all other truths of the Catholic faith have a center. There's a place from which they can radiate. There's a, a place which they can all be synthesized and converge, and it's the truth that God is our Father. The words pater noster, or the Our Father, that Jesus himself placed at the beginning of the prayer he taught us might well be engraved in golden letters over the portals of all our churches to sum up and define what is taught in them. Do you know that almost two-thirds of Catholic older teens and young adults drift away from the faith? And they go in two directions— one direction is that they just simply lose interest and basically walk away. And the other is that they look for greener pastures, very often in evangelical or Pentecostal churches. And do you know why? I can tell you why, because I went to a Pentecostal college, I was an evangelical pastor, and I have led Catholics out of the church, and I know what they were looking for. They were looking for a personal relationship with God. And you know what? There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. What I just read to you is that, you know, so often we want to get so many trees of the forest defined and analyzed and organized in young people's thinking, and they go through all these uh, catechetical classes, but they come out not knowing God as their father. That is the essence of having a personal relationship with God. That's why Jesus came to bring us back into the family of God. That's the one thing that has to get across or else they're going to wander because they'll wander to the evangelicals promising a personal relation with Christ. And the Catholic Church has even a greater personal relation with Christ, but it's not often emphasized to the point that it should be. And those that just drift, drift away of having no interest, once they have the living realization in their minds and hearts that they're a child of God, they stick 
They don't wander. They're in love with God. And when you're in love with something, you, you hang around, and it doesn't get old. It gets better with time. And again, this is the one thing that I would put front and center. It says in Romans, another epistle, along with Galatians, that teaches justification. Romans 5.5, one of my favorites, it says, God's love, and it's referring to God the Father's love, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. This is what St. Paul was writing, summarizing the faith of the first century Roman Catholics. This is the epistle to the first century Roman Catholics. He says a little later in Romans chapter 8, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the key here that brings the vibrant realization that one is a child of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And he's saying to them, you have received the spirit of sonship when we cry, Abba, Father. This is what the Roman pagans who were wandering around at the heart of the Roman Empire, and all of a sudden they started hearing about this Messiah, Jesus Christ, and that he came to reconcile us to the Father. And as they put their faith in the gospel, they were calling out, Abba, Father. They didn't have to go through a class for this. They knew it in their heart of hearts, in the deepest part of their being. They had that sense that they were children of God as the Spirit himself was bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is key. And it may be as important to take your confirmation class if you want to teach this. Uh, Get them out of the classroom because at least I know in the first century Rome, they didn't have classrooms. So maybe take them to a place where a personal relationship with God could be cultivated perhaps a retreat, and again, have a target, have a goal. And if you get across the one truth of the Catholic faith, which is at its very heart, and to which all the other truths relate, even if you want to teach prayer, get two words across, our Father. And once you get that across, the life of prayer opens up. Our Father, not some God in heaven way out there that somebody else talks about and I hear about in Mass when I show up in Mass? No. Our Father. That's what you want to get into the hearts and minds of young people. So now the big question. Why don't I have a sense that I'm a child of God? Um, I hear what you're saying, and this was This was common because how did, when you think of it, there were no publishing houses. There were no Catholic radios. You would not be hearing my voice in the first century. There weren't publishing, Catholic publishing houses. There weren't Catholic schools. There weren't Catholic colleges. I mean, how did all this work? And it was a pagan environment. You know, babies that weren't wanted were taken to the dump along with the trash. This was the culture. And now in the 21st century, we're finding ourselves in a pagan situation and adults and young people are trying to survive in the midst of this. The key to the survival 
the key to the Catholic faith, the key to the life of prayer are two words, our Father. Get that one, and you'll be well in your way. I'm not saying there's nothing else to learn. What I'm saying, when you realize that God loves you as his child, and you then want to spend the rest of your life loving him back, and you want to learn all there is to learn about him, you want to have a life of prayer, uh, worship doesn't become something a have to, it's something you become a want to. There's the internal motivation. But why don't I have, why don't so many young people and older people have that sense that I am a child of God. Well, it's really, really important to understand the message of the epistles, Romans and Galatians. But I'm trying to make it simple here. So I'll just say Galatians because it's shorter and somewhat more focused specifically on the problem that what causes Catholics what caused first century Catholics, what causes 21st century Catholics to not have this sense that God is my Father. And in fact, you can only need to know maybe even half of the epistle to the Galatians. It's only six chapters whole. And you will be well on your way to a transformed faith life. So um, when you're in sacramental preparation, you're in CCD or youth ministry or chastity talks or even many homilies, you really want to get it across that the essence of faith is trusting God and not yourself. You say, well, we all know that. I disagree. I went 20 years as a Protestant youth minister and pastor and never met a Catholic who could answer the question, fundamentally, who are you trusting for your entrance into heaven? And it usually began with something like, I, I did this, I did that, I'm a good person, I don't do this. And that's self-salvation. Here's what St. Paul says about all of that, and I'm going to be in Galatians 3, and if you can get a dozen verses out of Galatians 3, you will be lighting a rocket ship under your own spiritual life, your children's spiritual life, and the children you're ministering to their spiritual lives. Galatians 3, St. Paul starts off with, Oh, foolish Galatians! He's writing to his Roman Catholic converts. He says, Who has bewitched you? You know, somebody's pulled magic from your eyes. You know, he said, Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit... Because, see, the Spirit is the one who conveys the love of God the Father that you're his child. That's the key here, okay? So, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? In other words, it's some kind of religious treadmill. Did you do certain things? Did you jump over certain hurdles? Did you fill out a checklist? In other words, a self-salvation or by hearing with faith. Hearing with faith means I'm undeserving, but God is still loving, and he accepts me if I place my faith in him. St. Paul says, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now ending in the flesh? In other words, they started great, and they went off the tracks. And he says, does this one who supply the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And that's why we need a little scripture 
that conveys to us and reassures us the love of God, like maybe start by memorizing 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. That's what needs to be drilled into our minds and hearts. And then St. Paul goes on and says, See, it's men of faith who are sons of Abraham. You know, way back, we got to go back now about 4,000 years, but don't worry about it because probably the most important promise that was ever given to a human being was a promise given by God to Abraham that he would have a large family. There's only one problem. He didn't have any children. He was 99. Sarah was about 90, and people aren't having large families at that age. And boom, they had a miraculous child. Well, what was that, to show God's spectacular, miraculous working power? Well, maybe. But more than that, God was showing that through Abraham's family, there was going to come an immense worldwide family that would encompass not just the Jewish people, not just the physical descendants of Abraham, but the entire Gentile world. And that would happen not by physical descent, because just as Isaac was a miracle baby, well, you and I, as Gentiles, being a part of God's family, which means being a part of Abraham's family, we're part of that 4,000-year-old promise that's working this moment, you see. It comes by faith. By faith, we join Abraham's family. By faith, we become part of God's family. By faith, God is our Father. And so St. Paul says it's evident that no man is justified before God by the law, doing it himself or thinking you deserve it. But he who through faith is righteous shall live and live in abundance. He says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Now hear this. This is Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14. That in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham... God the Father, Abraham our father in the faith, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If we have faith in the love of God the Father that he sent his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, God will send that promise of the Spirit to make us have the full realization that we are indeed children of the Heavenly Father. This is the essence of justification by faith and the crown of the Catholic faith. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 178 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.